This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Wednesday afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. Bitcoin rises over anticipation. The Fed will impose a softer-than-expected interest rate hike. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, it's never too soon to teach kids about money and investing. Let's get some help from Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. Craig, thanks for joining us today. All through this year, especially on our Personal Finance Wednesday segments, we have talked about the ways in which you can get or we can get younger people into investing uh, at an earlier age. And some of the approaches we've talked about are family investing clubs uh, and all the lessons you can learn uh, inside that family investing club. But if you're a teenager, you're, you're 13 years old, 14 years old, uh, in your experience, Craig, you know where is the average teenager's head at when it comes to talking? about the stock market or investing? Do they have a general idea of what it is, or is it completely incomprehensible to them? I want to say it's not incomprehensible. They have a general idea, but they don't know how to access. They don't know how to participate. And we as parents need to create that behavior, need to create that head knowledge at an early age, because that's what allows people to win with money over time. And I just think all role models, mom, dad, whoever in the ecosystem, we got to make sure we don't wait. We should be talking about markets, talking about investing and savings it's never too early and it sounds like the secret to success at the at the at the outset is to demystify the process and by demystifying it making it less intimidating well, and I think the way you demystify it is you don't start with, here's how we're going to invest. You don't start with what an index fund is. You don't start with what an ETF or a stock is. You actually start by just talking about goals. Like one of the ways we saved for our family home is doing this. One of the ways we're saving towards your education is by doing that. One day we want to retire like grandma and grandpa, so we're doing this. And when you start with those concepts, we can create a little bit of understanding, and then we can start reverse engineering how the teenagers can get started. And uh, part of that also is just explaining kind of how the stock market works and how uh, your investments uh, accrue value over time. 
And the best way to learn is by doing. You know, everything we do as humans, we glean from experience. It's not necessarily from a textbook. So if we're going to talk about getting the kids started, you know, the first thing is making sure they understand interest. Let's take some of that money that's in the bank and let's show them what it means to have what we call a high-yield savings account. And then number two, let's get them excited by buying some shares or fractional shares, what some people call slices, of companies that maybe they participate in in their daily lives. And then once those kids go ahead and get a job, because lots of people work part-time in the summer, Rob, it's a great opportunity to start that concept of a custodial Roth IRA. That's how we're going to teach them. We're actually going to get them started and execute. And most importantly, Craig, uh, if you get a bunch of teenagers interested in money and investing, uh, they will tool around town uh, with the windows down, cranking the noon business hour because they will understand what we're talking about. And that's the most important part, Craig, about teaching teenagers about money and investing. We get them into this show early. Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. Thanks for joining us on this Personal Finance Wednesday. Coming up, tracking a Bitcoin rally. It's crypto is making a comeback. Let's get an update from Bill Uliveri, owner of Cynical Capital Management based in Glenview, the website cynicalcapital.com. Bill, thanks for joining us once again. You know, every asset class uh, has kind of uh, taken their lumps in the first half of 2022. Uh, did the decline in cryptocurrency uh, valuations, did that uh, kind of track the uh, general decline in the stock market overall? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that cryptocurrency followed the lead of it being in a growth asset class, in a technology asset class. So while this is the NASDAQ, uh, probably suffered one of the greatest declines in the first half of the year, same uh, with cryptocurrency. Again, it's it's risk on, just like the NASDAQ, just like the S&P 500. But what we're seeing, just like in the NASDAQ, is the lows were put in at the middle of June that goes for Bitcoin, Ethereum, Coinbase, MicroStrategies, every stock and cryptocurrency that um, you know that, that we're watching pretty much made a low in that same you know mid June kind of uh, end of May time period. And you've been in the space for a very long time. We've been talking we've been talking about cryptocurrency together for uh, uh, at the very least six years. So you've been around before. Uh, it became kind of a, a, a trendy thing to talk about on social media. You were definitely there before uh, all the Matt Damon and LeBron James commercials. Sure. Uh, a type of sell-off situation like this, what does this do to the market, especially for all the people who came in thinking this was going to be uh, Internet 1999, a great way to make a killing and leave? Well, you know, there's very many similarities, to be honest with you, Rob. And the truth is, we remember when the dot-com bubble burst, you know, Apple Computer was trading maybe $16 a share, uh, Dell maybe in the low 30s. Who needed another search engine? When Google came out, we had Ask Jeeves and Dogpile. So the same, this is a bubble burst for dot-com. I think the bubble burst and cryptocurrency suffered just like internet did back then. And so what we're seeing is, the, um, the dissolution and the you know, bankruptcy of uh, a disappearing of some tokens that are just didn't have a solid project, but ones that are like Ethereum and Bitcoin, potentially XRP and XDC, these other tokens, I mean, yes, have they gotten hurt? Absolutely. But, you know, people who buy cryptocurrency have diamond hands. I mean, we're not, we're not selling. We're, we're writing it all the way down. 
because it just represents a small portion of our portfolio or our net wealth. And, and again, it's the next new thing. And that's where people who are invested in this space are going to, you know, that's, that's their story and they're sticking to it, Rob. Has a lesson been learned, especially about how cryptocurrency reacts in uh, different interest rate environments and in different uh, inflationary environments, uh, neither of which we've seen in decades? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that Bitcoin, which was conceived or or talked about as the new gold, digital gold, that that conversation has disappeared because it hasn't. It's done exactly what gold has done. So it hasn't provided this risk off protection uh, exit strategy for a declining market. It's acted just like a regular risk on uh, uh, asset class. But I will say it is still kind of interesting that there's a fixed supply in Bitcoin versus. Uh, you know, what we're seeing in the other space. But the big lesson I think that was learned, Rob, was leverage. Leverage, whether it's in stocks, margin, real estate, it doesn't matter. When you use leverage and that ocean begins to recede and the emperor, you know, and you get to see who has no clothes on, that's what we're seeing now. These massive liquidations of Bitcoin in order to make margin calls and come up with cash, which was the collateral for all these stable coins. So this is like a, a perfect storm happened in cryptocurrency. And I think I think it's kind of it's, we're on the way. We're at the end of that, I think. Bill Uliveri, owner of Senegal Capital Management in Glenview. Thanks for joining us today. Talked about the cryptocurrency space. The website, SenegalCapital.com. Coming up next, uh, tips for navigating the new car market. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Demand is strong while auto inventories remain low. Let's get some strategic help in buying a new car. We welcome in Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive reporter based in Detroit. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Uh, some friends of ours uh, recently purchased a new minivan, and they said it was kind of a white-knuckle experience. Uh, in, in the old days, you could do a little bit of haggling, try to get some uh, a couple of uh, concessions out of the person uh, trying to sell you the car. But uh, these days, it sounds like the uh, person selling the car holds all the cards, because uh, if, if you hesitate, there's three or four people lined up behind you ready to buy. Yeah, exactly. And persistence is really the word of the day today. Uh, don't just check with one dealer, check with a number of them. And, uh, you know, be willing to accept something that's close to what you want, because finding exactly what you want is difficult. And at the end of the day, if you can, just order what you want. It's going to mean a wait, but at least it means you get what you want. And then as far as the uh, trade-in market is concerned, uh, is it, are, are we still seeing uh, elevated trade-in uh, values for, for cars that uh, might be you know, possibly over a decade old? Yeah, that, that's a one bit of good news for consumers is used cars are also very hot, although that uh, is cooling off a bit. But it's still hot and the prices are still very high. So you will get more for your trade-in. Other thing to look at is leasing. Leasing hasn't had as many attractive deals as you might have had in the past, but there still could be some bargains to be found. So that's something to look at as well. And is this still uh, an offshoot of the uh, semiconductor shortage? And, you know, we've been talking about this for over a year now. Uh, is there any sign that this could abate anytime soon? Now, I'm going to take the second part of your question first, because it is definitely part of the semiconductor shortage. But a, a lot of car companies are saying maybe next year, but they, of course, were saying that last year at this time. And, and there are concerns with the economic downturn 
that uh, we could be in a flip situation in another year or so. A lot of analysts are, are warning that car companies could get higher inventories because demand could drop if we're heading into a recession. So if you don't absolutely need a new vehicle right now, this may be the time to wait. You may be finding a bargain next year. I can't guarantee it. But it's a possibility. What happened uh, shortly after everything shut down in 2020 as far as uh, fleets were concerned, rental cars were concerned? There was a lot of talk in uh, you know, April and May of 2020 that there was going to be just a glut of vehicles uh, that were not being used at airports and because travel had come down. What happened to those cars or was there ever a glut to begin with? Oh, no, there definitely, well, there was more of a worry about a glut, uh, but there definitely were those concerns, and, and basically fleets pulled back on their purchases. We saw car companies pull back on their purchases of computer chips. Those chips were sold elsewhere, so that started the whole crisis, and, and then the economy picked up at a time people didn't think they would. Uh, rental car companies wanted new vehicles. They ended up competing in the used car market, and there was this whole disruption of the typical supply demand situation where you know the the supply was tight and the demand was out of control and it still hasn't totally righted itself jeff gilbert cbs news automotive reporter based in detroit thanks for joining us this afternoon still ahead in personal finance wednesday a list of questions you should ask before hiring a financial advisor call from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A U.S. Senate committee holds a hearing focused on protecting communities from mass shootings. Personal Finance Wednesday, making sure you're a match with your financial advisor. And demand for mortgages has dropped to a two-decade low. WBBM Business, the markets are mixed. The Dow is down 42 points. The NASDAQ is up 130. The S&P 500 is up 13. AccuWeather says sunshine mixing with some clouds. Breezy, hot and humid. A high today around 90. We have 84 degrees right now under mostly sunny skies at 1231. And topping our news at the half hour, the Senate Judiciary Committee has held a hearing on mass shootings in America. Senator Dick Durbin says this is the 10th time during the current session of Congress that the panel is focused on gun violence. Why are these killing machines flying off the shelves after they were banned for a decade until 2004? Maybe it's the ads that market the assault weapons, symbols of independence, freedom, or the promise that owning an AR-15 style gun will make you more of a man. Or could it be the enticing prospect of toting around the same style of weapon that soldiers and Marines use to defend our country in combat. Republican Senator John Cornyn pushed back on a call to reinstate a federal ban on assault weapons that expired in 2004. I wonder about the focus on the firearm as an inanimate object. An inanimate object won't cause harm to anyone. What does matter is the person possessing that firearm 
and certainly our focus has been keeping them out of the hands of people with criminal records and people with mental health problems. Highland Park Mayor Nancy Rotering was among those testifying before the committee. It's 1232 on the noon business hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. The markets are mixed today. We're joined by Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist with B. Riley Financial based in New York. Art, thanks for joining us today. It sounds like uh, the other two indices are following the NASDAQ, or at least they were uh, through the later portion of this morning. Uh, And is the uh, rise in the NASDAQ uh, entirely uh, due to better-than-expected uh, earnings from Netflix? Yeah, that's such a great question. I, I would say if you look at the uh, <clears throat> if you look at the um, S&P 500 and, and the sectors that are outperforming today, you've got the tech and communication services in the top two of three, consumer discretionary, the top-performing sector. So, yeah, all of that sort of speaks to <clears throat> the fact that Netflix has had a nice bounce uh, after reporting a better-than-feared result. And the biggest fear was how many subs they were going to lose and whisper numbers. We're up around 2 million subs uh, was the average consensus, and, uh, and they lost uh, less than a million subs. So, you know, clearly in a stock that has actually been very beaten up over the course of the last uh, 12 months and certainly on a year-to-date basis, that was a, that breathed a sigh of relief into investors. So you get a stock that's up 5% today, up 20% over the course of the last five days, <clears throat> but still down 65% on a year-to-date basis. Just speaking to how much concern we had for Netflix after the, their last two earnings reports. So this was actually pretty darn good news, and I certainly think that's helping to lift both the technology sector and the NASDAQ composite. But I would say that the tone for markets have certainly been better over the course of the last uh, couple of days at least, and, and we certainly seem to have a shift in consumer and investor sentiment. Um, and I think we really can lay that at the feet of the fact that the yield in the U.S. 10-year has really sat at or about 3% for the better part of three weeks now. And, and, you know, without that, you know, moving around as much as it had the month before this, I think investors feel more confident getting back into risk assets, and those include stocks. This week has uh, definitely been an era of good feeling uh, for the markets, and it's kind of a breath of fresh air uh, compared to the uh, first six months of this year. Is this strictly a function of the fact that uh, a lot of the recessionary indicators or the recession anxiety has uh, faded into the background? And then the flip side of that, if the recession anxiety fades into the background, does the interest rate anxiety uh, rush to the forefront? Yeah, I would say that that I agree with that on uh, the front end of that argument that our concerns over an uh, immediate or impending recession likely have receded a bit. But our expectations for what the Fed's going to do have also receded. So after last Wednesday's hot CPI print, uh, the Fed's funds futures were pricing in a full percentage move at the meeting that we're going to have July 27th. And, and, and right now, it's, it's, it, that's worked its way down to 75 basis points in uh, July. And, and actually, what had been 75 basis points to a full percentage point in September is now a, a 50-50 tie between 25 and 50 basis points. So our expectations for what the Fed's going to do have actually matched what we've seen in some of the commodity prices. Gasoline prices have been down for 32 days in a row. Uh, crude has come worked its way down from $125 to the $100 level. Gasoline, crude prices, copper, uh, lumber, all the most of the commodity complex has rolled over significantly. And inflation expectations, meaning what we think inflation is going to look like in three years and five years, have also rolled over. So I think that's helped. I think the psychology is, is much more of a, uh, yes, we're going to have a Fed that's going to be steady and even-handed, but not more aggressive than consensus. And I think that's good news. Has the strength of the U.S. dollar relative to other currencies been a surprise? 
it has been a surprise, but it's reflective of what our central bank is doing. So when we compare our central bank's reaction to inflation to, you know, the ECB or any of the other developed country central banks, we're you know kind of first out of the box and more aggressive. So therefore, the, the dollar then follows that with uh, strengthening and, and, and you know, to, to have our currency up some 20 percent at its peak and in the course of a year to date basis is is a move that you won't see often and, and likely has gotten ahead of itself. But it's just a reflection of how, how aggressive our Fed has been and has sounded versus some of the other central banks like the ECB, who we'll hear from tomorrow. Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist with B. Riley Financial based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, strategies in hiring a financial advisor. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and this afternoon we're talking about the questions you need to ask when looking for a financial advisor. We're talking to Ed Jertson, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. The website is engagewealthgroup.com. Ed, thanks for joining us once again this afternoon. Uh, As a suburban dad, uh, you end up talking to a lot of other suburban dads who are financial planners financial advisors. Uh, They work on retirement planning. Some work with higher net worth individuals. So you talk to a lot of different people who are in this practice, Ed. And my question for you is the question that I have for them. And that is, uh, is this a stressful job when you realize just uh, how many uh, the the assets you're managing and the hopes and dreams uh, that rest on your work in managing somebody else's money? Yeah, it's a great question, Rob. We do not take our work lightly. I mean, we're very engaged with our clients in the depth and the degree that we have as a full-service financial, comprehensive financial planning firm. It is not, we don't take that lightly. I mean, people rely on us heavily for not only their investments, but basically guiding them through all the waypoints of their life. So yes, where the stress comes in is when we have surprises from time to time, not necessarily the markets, you know, and unfortunately we deal with happy instances and sad instances in people's lives. And and that's why we're so deeply engaged with our clients. And uh, if you're a client and you are looking for a financial planner, um, it sounds like uh, the first thing you have to do as a client is to uh, have a a level of comfort and probably a level of trust with uh, whomever you're working with. And that probably requires a lot of cultivation on your part as the financial planner. Yeah, we're a big trust but verify uh, sort of mentality. And what I mean by that is, you know, you mentioned the word financial planner. And what all your listeners need to realize is literally anyone can call themselves a financial planner. I can't practice medicine or law without certain licenses and and certain uh, uh, educational background. But anybody can call themselves a financial planner. So be very wary of the titles that people are putting out in front of you. And where the verify comes in is you can go on some regulatory websites like FINRA.org, broker check, and you can look up the background of these different advisors that you work with. So while on the surface, you're like, hey, we've got a good meeting eye to eye in terms of goals, you always want to verify who you're working with currently or who you're thinking about working with in the future. And then are there different uh, types of uh, financial advisors uh, that you should seek out if you have different goals? For example, uh, if you have a retirement planner and you just want to talk about retirement, is there a retirement person? Let's say you have a retire it's retirement and college for your kids. Uh, does that person exist or is there kind of a, is it a Swiss army knife approach uh, defining a person? Yeah, it's a great 
point, Rob. And so you start with the goals. You're starting with the why. Like, what are you looking for? If you're looking for property and casualty insurance, it's really straightforward. You go to somebody who specializes in that. If you're just looking for the small silo, the small sleeve of investment advice, maybe you seek out just an investment advisor. You know, for us, again, for as a certified financial planner, we're more comprehensive, retirement, insurance, all the different elements that come into your life. So all your listeners start with the why, start with the goals, and then seek out that professional that specializes in meeting those goals and has the professional experience to guide you on the right path. When is the good? When is the right time in life to actually uh, seek out the services of a financial advisor? In my in my case, it was after my oldest daughter was born, uh, nearly nine years ago. Uh, we got down to brass tacks and started planning things out in, in kind of a more concrete way. Uh, or should you do that in your twenties when? you have your first job and you have your first retirement fund. Yeah, it is never too early to start with retirement planning or just basic financial planning. I mean, we work with third generation clients where we're guiding their kids, their young kids, their teenagers, just on the fundamentals. And as life and complexity comes your way, that's where you need that depth and detail. So if someone just starting out with a job, you give them the guardrails, you know, stay away from consumer related debt. You know, put monies in your retirement account. Think about a Roth IRA, those basic building blocks. And as you go along in the process, now you start talking about maybe college planning and then retirement planning. And that's where the sophistication of that professional really comes into play because you want somebody to be able to guide you through those waypoints. So to your point, yeah, goals is what determines the professional you're seeking. Ed Jertson, certified financial planner and founder of Engage Wealth Group in Chicago. The website, engagewealthgroup.com. Join us this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday and still to come, an update on a diminishing demand for mortgages. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Mortgage demand has dropped to a 22-year low. Let's talk about what's impacting potential home buyers with Steve Kirch, real estate editor, Market Watch in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today, Steve. Is this simply a function of uh, higher mortgage rates uh, chasing some people away? Uh, yeah, good afternoon, Rob. That's that's exactly what's happening. We've seen a sharp rise in mortgage rates since the beginning of this year, uh, over 5.8% in the latest survey. That is definitely starting to have an impact on mortgage borrowers and people who want to buy homes. We've seen contracts that have already been signed beginning to fall through because a lot of the mortgage contingencies can't be met anymore and people are just having a harder time. This is of course impacting first time home buyers and younger home buyers the most. They're the ones most likely to have a hard time getting these mortgage loans these days. And uh, if you are a first time home buyer, do you just simply hope that this is a, a situation in which the housing market has a necessary uh, cooling off period and maybe you try it again next year? Yeah, I'd have to say that, I mean, unless you are forced to move, this is just not a good time. The the other problem that's happening here is even as homes are getting more expensive because of mortgages, the home prices continue to rise at a fairly rapid pace, continuing to price more people out of the market. Eventually, as the sales slow, as we're seeing, uh, those prices should start to stabilize. But we haven't seen it yet because there still isn't a lot of inventory out there. 
And what is going to uh, kind of result in a reset of the housing market? Is it waiting for the inventory to catch up? Is it, uh, uh, is it the higher mortgage rates just keeping people away? Um, it, it's, it's obviously cooling off, but uh, you know, when will the hot spots disappear? Yeah, this is. Uh, I, I would say it's probably a home price question. There's been such a run-up in home prices. We have such a long string of double-digit increases year over year with these prices. Somewhere that's got to give. It's just getting too unaffordable. Yes, we have a lot of inflation, but wages aren't keeping up with that. And so demand is going to fall eventually here. And as that happens, there will be a, a price adjustments. And I think that's where we'll see the housing market come back into more reality. Now, with uh, mortgage demand uh, reaching this uh, multi-decade low, uh, if if you as a homeowner took advantage of this uh, run-up in home prices and maybe you took some equity out of your home for uh, home improvement projects, uh, should you uh, be concerned? Um, if you have a home equity line of credit or loan that is a floating rate or adjustable rate, yeah, you're going to have to worry about those rates rising. But a lot of homeowners, you know, took advantage of the really low rates. So you might have a lot of people hanging around with two, two and a half percent mortgages. You know, they they're in the catbird seat right now because uh, their their payments are locked in as being low for quite some time. So they may be more able to afford these kinds of uh, loans for home improvements, and that's. You know, turned out in the pandemic pandemic economy to be a, a popular way to go. Steve Kirch, real estate editor with Market Watch in Chicago. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at wbbmnewsradio.com and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.